I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to episode 20 in the fourth edition of the AIC Bible Study video series, The New Testament Gospels. In episode 20, I will discuss the final unique parable found in the Gospel of St. Luke and begin a multi-episode discussion of other unique content found in the Gospel of St. Luke. At the end of the episode, I'll point out where material presented in episode 20 is discussed in the new AIC bookstore publication, The Gospel of Luke, Annotated and Illustrated. The final unique parable, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, from Luke 18, verses 9 to 14, is the Gospel reading for 11th Sunday after Trinity. For this series, I have used the modern name, Tax Collector, used in the NKJV translation. The word publican, used in the King James Version, has come to mean one who operates a public house, meaning a bar or a pub. Tax Collector more accurately describes the actual job of the second character in the parable. The illustration, the Pharisee and the Publican is an opaque watercolor over graphite or gray wove paper by French artist James Tissot, prepared between 1886 and 1894 from the collection of the Brooklyn Museum, which acquired them in the late 1930s and generously has made them available in the public domain. As we enter the narrative, Jesus and the traveling party of disciples plus the crowds that followed them have stopped somewhere in southern Samaria or Galilee on their way to Jerusalem. The time is most likely two weeks before the entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, recounted in Luke 18, verses 35 to 40. As with the parable of the tenacious widow, which comes immediately before it, there are only two characters. The setting for the parable is the temple meaning the third building on the Temple Mount, and one which had been greatly enlarged by King Herod. A further connection between this parable and the parable of the tenacious widow is found in verse 9, when St. Luke's narrative describes some of the men, obviously meaning the Pharisees, as men, quote, who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. The illustration is an engraving by Gustave Doré from his 1866 A.D. edition of the Grand Bible de Tours, also published in London in the same year and known there as Doré's English Bible. The accompanying text used the Vulgate Bible translation. He depicts Jesus looking on from outside the entrance to the temple. St. Luke's narrative commentary is reinforced when Jesus speaks the secret thoughts of the two men, beginning with the Pharisee in verses 11 and 12. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Note the emphasis that I placed on his five uses of the first-person pronoun 
I in just two short sentences. The editors of the New King James Study Bible observed that the Pharisee seems to believe God lucky to have a man like him as a believer. Later, in chapter 20, Jesus again comments upon the attitudes of the temple leadership with this warning in verse 46. Beware of the scribes who go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts. The illustration is Jesus teaching a miniature illumination in colored inks and gold on parchment circa 1220 A.D. from the Codex Bruxelles from the Badische Landesbibliothek in Karlsruhe, Germany. Jesus then focuses on the second person in the parable in verse 13. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. The illustration is a detail from the right side of the background in the Tissot watercolor. Jesus ends the parable with this summary in verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Three practical lessons from the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector and the parable of the tenacious widow which came directly before it are first, on a parish level, do not count yourself more righteous than others because you wear better clothes or you bow more deeply or cross yourself more often than others in your congregation. Second, on the personal level, as St. Augustine in the U.S. manner, Augustine in the English manner taught, the persistence of prayer is more important than its length. Finally, also at the personal level, when saying your daily prayers, consider adding one of the oldest prayers in the Christian tradition known as the Jesus Prayer, an expansion of the humble prayer of the tax collector. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. In addition to St. Luke's unique nativity accounts of both Jesus and John the Baptist, his unique glimpse at the life of Jesus as a child and his encounter at age 12 in the temple, and the unique parables discussed beginning in episode 17, the Gospel of St. Luke offers other unique details, including miraculous events, moral discourses, the kingdom lectures, the sending and the return of the 70, and many more. These and other unique details are either not found in the other two synoptic gospels or are offered in significantly different form. The illustration is the face of St. Luke, a minuscule from the Worms Bible, or Worms in English, prepared in the Middle Rhineland in the third quarter of the 12th century from manuscript Harley 2804, folio 199d. British Library, London, England. In this episode, I begin with two examples of unique healings, the raising of the son of the widow of Nain and the healing of the ten lepers. 
St. Luke's account of the raising of the son of the widow of Nain in Luke 7, verses 11 to 17 is the gospel reading for 16th Sunday after Trinity in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer. The location is the village of Nain, which was about eight miles southeast of Nazareth. The illustration is an early 11th century illumination in gold and colored inks on parchment from the Hitta Codex, a gospel book with scenes in the life of Christ commissioned by the mistress of the Abbey of Meshida. I especially want to thank the library authorities at Universitats und Landesbibliothek Darmstadt, custodians of the Codex, for permitting us to use high-resolution images. The raising of the son of the widow of Nain is not the story of a resurrection. It is one of three incidents in which Jesus raised someone from the dead, the others being the daughter of Jairus in Luke 8, 41 to 56, and Lazarus of Bethany in John 11, verses 1 to 44. In all three raisings, Jesus brought the dead to life. However, each of these later died in the natural course of their lives. The illustration is a detail from James Tissot's opaque watercolor over graphite on gray wove paper in his Life of Christ series painted between, as noted earlier, between 1886 and 1894, and now in the Brooklyn Museum. St. Luke opens his narrative in characteristic language. Now it happened, he wrote in verse 11, that Jesus is accompanied by, quote, many, unquote, of the disciples. Exactly how many, or which of the twelve, is left uncertain, on the way to Nain, followed by a large crowd of the curious and the admiring. Tissot's watercolor accurately captures Luke's text, although perhaps the depiction of the detail of the city wall and its gates may have been a little exaggerated in its grandness. When the procession came to the gates of Nain in verse 12, they encountered another large crowd, this one coming out of the village in a funeral procession. Tissot's depiction shows the enshrouded body in an open coffin. The body is the only son of a widow of that city. St. Luke gives her no name. A church tradition in both the Western and the Eastern Church has never given her one. St. Luke writes in verse 13 that Jesus, quote, had compassion on her, unquote, saying to her, do not weep. Eastern Church scholars suggest that the son may have been the widow's only means of financial support. What Jesus did next was so startling and out of character for the time that the witnesses to the act, according to St. Luke in verse 14a, stood still. What did he do? He touched the open coffin. In first century Judaism, dead or injured bodies were among many things considered unclean or untouchable. Jesus broke the silence by addressing the body in the coffin, saying in verse 14b, Young man, I say to you, arise. St. Luke, again using his style that suggests immediacy, writes in verse 15a that so he who was dead sat up and began to speak. 
Jesus presented the risen man to his mother, after which, according to St. Luke, in verse 16a, fear came upon all. The phrase fear came upon all and what the people did in response illustrates the traditional teaching of the church concerning the term fear of the Lord. It does not mean cowering in the dread of punishment, but instead means giving him the adoration and worship to which he is entitled. This is exactly what St. Luke reports when he wrote in verse 16b that, quote, they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has risen up among us, and also God has visited his people. St. Luke's post-event summary in verse 17 says that the news of the miraculous event spread quickly, quote, throughout all Judea and the surrounding region. The second miraculous event in this discussion of other unique content in the Gospel of St. Luke is the healing of the ten cleansed lepers in Luke 17, verses 11 to 19, which is the Gospel reading for 14th Sunday after Trinity. The fact that the Pharisees are in the audience in the kingdom dialogues beginning in the next set of verses, starting with verse 20a, suggests that the parable was probably spoken in the Hebrew-majority region of Galilee. The illustrations are, in order, a detail from James Tissot's late 19th century opaque watercolor of scenes in the life of Christ from the Brooklyn Museum, and a full version of the same, and an illumination from the Codex Aureus of Echternach, an early 11th century gospel book. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, in this unnamed village, Jesus encounters ten men who are lepers. Luke says that they stood afar off, signifying their acceptance of their untouchable status under the Levitical Code in Leviticus 14. Jesus was known as a thaumaturge, which is Greek for one who has the power to heal. They cried out to him in verse 13, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus, when he saw them, said in verse 14, Go show yourselves to the priests. St. Luke reports in verse 15, quote, And so it was that they went and they were cleansed. It should be noted here that Jesus does not claim credit for the healing, but sends the healed men to the temple priests for the ritual cleansing required under the Mosaic Law in Leviticus 14. In the illustration, James Tissot took some liberties with St. Luke's account, since after they were healed, it was only the Samaritan who returned to Jesus and falling on his knees, saying in verse 15b and 16, with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Jesus noticed and said, Were not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Jesus said to the Samaritan prostrate at his feet in verse 19, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. 
The foreigner in verse 18 was a Samaritan, a non-Jew from a region spurned by the Hebrew religious establishment and who refused the disciples' entry into their city in Luke 9, verse 52, an event which is discussed in episode 21. The incident is the second in the Gospel of St. Luke in which it was a Samaritan who did the right thing, unlike the priest and the Levite in the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, verses 25 to 37, discussed in episode 17. The statement in verse 18 made to a Samaritan, a Gentile, or non-Jewish person, signifies that the offer of salvation through Jesus Christ is universal, that is, is available to all people and not just to the chosen people. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this episode are from our podcast homily series linked from the podcast homilies page, my podcast homily for 11 Sunday after Trinity, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, for the 14th Sunday after Trinity, the account of the 10 cleansed lepers, and 16th Sunday after Trinity, the account of the raising of the son of the widow of Nain. From the AIC Christian Education video series, The Lives of the Saints, from the first series, the 1928 BCP Saints, St. Luke, is the focus of episode 15. From the second series, St. Augustine, or Augustine in the American tradition, is the focus of episode 20. From the AIC Bookstore Publications, our newest book, The Gospel of Luke, annotated and illustrated, from Chapter 7, The Raising of the Son of the Widow of Nain, illustrated above from the Gospels of Otto III, made around 998 A.D., from the collection of the Bayerische Staatsbibliothek Munich, Germany, and from Chapter 17, The Cleansing of the Ten Lepers, and from Chapter 18, The Parable of the Pharisee and the Tax Collector or Publican. From Layman's Lexicon, words and phrases of interest are faith, fear of the Lord, Gentile, and miracles. From Christian spirituality and Anglican perspective, personal prayer and the development of personal prayer habits and the concept of three stages of prayer are discussed in Part 4. Finally, there is Father Ron's blog using links at the top and the bottom of each page. Entries usually include an illustration. The direct URL address is www.anglicaninternetchurch.net slash right slash blog, B-L-O-G, spelled in all lowercase letters. You can also access them, again, as I said, by using the links at the top and the bottom of any page on the website. By clicking the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend in the right-hand column and afterward entering your email address, you can receive notice of each new posting from our site host, wordpress.com. Please be assured that we do not share information with any other organization. Thank you for joining me for Episode 20. Next time, in episode 21, I will continue discussion of other unique content 
in the Gospel of St. Luke. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and use its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.